This episode contains descriptions of child abuse and neglect. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. The following is from The Lost Ghost by Mary Eleanor Wilkins Freeman. I opened the door, and the first thing I noticed was a draft of cold air, as if the front door downstairs was open, but there was a strange close smell about the cold draft. It smelled more like a cellar that had been shut up for years than out of doors. Then I saw something. I saw my coat first. Then I saw a little white face with eyes so scared and wishful that they seemed as if they might eat a hole in anybody's heart. It was a dreadful little face, with something about it which made it different from any other face on earth. Hi everyone, I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Haunted Places Ghost Stories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Ghost stories have arisen from every century and every corner of the world, from the streets of Victorian Whitechapel to the temples of Japan. Whether seated around the campfire or curled up with a pair of headphones, we return to them time and again to feel our skin crawl and our hearts race. Episodes of Ghost Stories are inspired by classic short stories from some of history's greatest authors. The following version is our own unique take. It may feel familiar in some ways and different in others. We hope you enjoy it. You can find episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today's story comes from 19th century American author Mary Eleanor Wilkins Freeman. You may be familiar with her work from our earlier episode, The Wind in the Rosebush. Mary Eleanor Wilkins Freeman was known for her realistic portrayals of women living in rural New England, and today's tale is no exception. Originally published in 1903, The Lost Ghost is the story of a young schoolteacher named Rhoda. Rhoda moves to the town of East Wilmington, where she rents a room in an old country house owned by two older sisters. But as time goes on, she learns the house comes with a special, spectral guest. Coming up, a cozy old mansion holds a terrible secret. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? 
Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Rhoda set down her steamer trunk and gazed at the stately old colonial. The woman she had spoken to about renting, Mrs. Dennison, had warned her that the house was a bit worn down, but that had been an understatement. The home was, for lack of a better word, shabby. Paint was peeling off the window frames and the lawn was covered in a jungle of weeds and fallen leaves. The roof of the front porch was even partially caved in. Rhoda assumed this was exactly why the two sisters wanted a border. They probably needed the extra income for repairs. She lugged her trunk up to the front door and sighed. Another day, another home. Five years prior, she lost her mother and sister to consumption. Shortly after, her father had a fatal accident at the shoe factory. At first, Rhoda lived with an estranged aunt in New England, but that arrangement didn't last long. Since then, she'd been something of a vagabond, moving from one boarding house to another, and now she was here, in East Wilmington. The ladies had seemed nice enough in their correspondence, but they all did it first. They were probably no different from any of the other landladies she'd had. Bitter, greedy old misanthropes who only cared about her money. Rhoda tightened her coat against the autumn chill and knocked. A moment later, she was greeted by a robust, older woman. Mrs. Dennison? she asked. Please, call me Amelia. Put that down. Let me help you, she said. Amelia grabbed Rhoda's trunk before she could protest. We're so glad to have you. My sister, you'll know her as Mrs. Bird, made apple tarts just for your arrival. Amelia ushered her into the foyer. The inside of the house was much cozier than the outside. There were bright paintings framed on the walls and plush-looking pieces of furniture scattered about. And in the corner, an orange tabby cat sat curled on the rug in front of a roaring fire. For a moment, Rhoda felt a warm feeling wash over her. She shook it off, telling herself not to get too comfortable. She'd learned over the years that no matter how welcoming a place appeared at first or how kindly her host seemed, to them, she was nothing more than rent money. Rhoda followed Amelia into an old-fashioned kitchen where she was offered a slice of apple tart. Rhoda politely declined. She didn't take well to food from strangers. You'll have to try some eventually, Amelia said cheerily. My sister's apple tart is not something you can turn down for long. She went on to explain that her sister, Mrs. Bird, bought the house after her husband's death. It had been in even worse shape then, but Amelia had busied herself with repairs. I haven't any money, but I'm wonderfully handy. You can always come to me if you need something fixed. The people before us, well, never mind. Amelia's face fell, and for a moment, her expression darkened. Rhoda felt strangely concerned for the older woman. A moment before, Amelia was so exuberant, but now her enthusiasm had died in an instant. Rhoda felt an urge to reach out and hug the poor woman. Who lived here before you? She asked curiously. Amelia shook her head. Nobody, she said quickly. 
There was a moment of uncomfortable silence until Amelia clapped her hands and announced she was giving Rhoda a tour of the house. Amelia took her into the back parlor and then up the creaking staircase to the east wing. Truthfully, Amelia wasn't so bad, Rhoda thought. She liked to talk a lot, but she seemed sweet, almost like an aunt. And the house itself was rather quaint, she had to admit. But as they rounded a corner, Rhoda noticed a door that looked shabbier than the others. She pointed to it and asked what was inside. A cold voice came from behind her. We don't go into that room. Rhoda jumped. A tall, grey-haired woman was coming up the stairs. Amelia laughed and said, Rhoda, this is my sister Abby, or Mrs. Bird. Abby was never one to mince words. What she means is that we keep that room locked. It's just a closet we use to store old gardening things. Rhoda smiled uneasily and told Mrs. Bird it was nice to meet her. Mrs. Bird nodded, then, without another word, walked past them and down the hall. Rhoda couldn't help but be a little put off by the strange encounter, but she forgot about it when Amelia opened the door to her new room. The space was enormous. In the corner, a fire crackled in the pot-bellied stove, and the early evening light cast a warm glow through the fine lace curtains. Amelia asked nervously if she liked it. Rhoda wasn't sure what to say. She'd never lived anywhere half as nice as this. Rhoda knew she couldn't let her guard down, but she supposed that didn't mean she had to be ungrateful. Rhoda smiled. I love it. In spite of herself, Rhoda grew to like Amelia. Amelia never ran out of things to talk about, and she always had a smile on her face. Mrs. Bird, however, was a different story. Abby, as Amelia called her, rarely spoke. Every now and then she'd have strange outbursts, make curious statements, or become upset by seemingly inconsequential things. But as time went on, Rhoda grew used to Mrs. Bird's odd behavior, and as the autumn passed, Rhoda began to enjoy her time at the sister's house. She almost felt like she was ready to be happy again. Then came winter. One morning, Rhoda returned from a walk to find Mrs. Bird knitting by the fire. It was late afternoon. The smell of warm biscuits wafted in from the kitchen to the sitting room. Rhoda briefly greeted Mrs. Bird, removed her heavy black coat, and laid it on the table in the hall. Mrs. Bird paused her knitting. You're going to leave it there? Rhoda bit her lip. Is that all right? I was hoping it might dry out a bit. Mrs. Bird said she didn't mind, but someone might take it. Rhoda laughed and asked what she meant. She was the only boarder she knew. Mrs. Bird just looked darkly into the fire. Forget it, she said. Forget I said anything at all. Rhoda brushed it off as just another of Mrs. Bird's oddities and headed up the stairs. A small fire and a book awaited her in her room. When she settled into an armchair and opened the novel to a new page, a feeling of contentment washed over her. She could see herself staying at the sister's house for a long time, she thought, and maybe, just maybe, she could even call it 
home. Just as the thought occurred to her, Rhoda heard a noise coming from the doorway, a quiet, scratching sound. Rhoda called out, asking if anyone was there, but there was no answer. Only the sound again. It sounded like someone was trying to knock on the door, but could only manage to scrape their knuckles against it. Rhoda's pulse quickened. She slowly approached the door and turned the knob. A chill wind swept in from the stairwell, blowing the door wide open. She thought that the front door must have been left open, but then the musty scent of an old cellar filled her nose. Rhoda stepped out into the hall and froze. Directly in front of her was her coat. For a moment, she believed it was suspended in midair. Then she noticed two little hands clutching either side of the fabric. The coat slowly lowered, revealing a young, pale face. Rhoda's breath caught in her throat. Holding her coat was a little girl. She couldn't have been any older than five or six, but she didn't look healthy. She had dark hair that hung limply around her face, and her skin was mottled purple, as if she'd been exposed to some terrible cold. When she spoke, it was as if it were coming from a great distance away. I can't find my mother, she whimpered. Rhoda stumbled over her words. Who, who are you? The little girl was silent. Then she held out Rhoda's coat and said again, I can't find my mother. As if in a daze, Rhoda reached for her coat. As she took it, she realized that a deadly chill emanated from the girl. Her coat felt like a block of ice. Rhoda asked again, Who are you? This time, the girl just turned toward the stairwell and ran. When she reached it, Rhoda called out after her, Who is your mother? But it was too late. The little girl had disappeared. Rhoda's heart raced. She screamed for someone to come quickly. A moment later, Mrs. Bird was rushing up the staircase. Rhoda's words tumbled out. There was a little girl, and her, her skin, she looked like she'd been frozen solid. Mrs. Bird's face sank. She took a deep breath and said, Please, call me Abby. And Rhoda, there's something I have to tell you. You may want to sit down. Coming up, Mrs. Bird's Dark Secret. The most urgent mysteries in the world are missing persons cases. The stakes are too high not to pursue every plausible possibility, and some implausible ones too. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new podcast, Disappearances. In 2020, after spending years searching for the truth, I use social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now, every Thursday on Spotify, 
I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and the impact their absences can have on those left behind. From child abductions and mystifying murders to those who took drastic measures to start over, each episode of Disappearances journeys through a different high-profile missing persons case, ripped from the headlines and ripe for explanation. Because no one just vanishes into thin air. The answers are out there, waiting to be found. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Hear a new episode every Thursday, free and only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. Rhoda stood on the stair landing, frozen with shock. Moments before, she had seen a little girl vanish before her eyes, and now her landlady, Mrs. Bird, or Abby, as she now insisted Rhoda call her, was urging her to sit down. Please, Rhoda, why don't you follow me to the parlor? Abby led Rhoda down the stairs where she settled down in an armchair by the fire. Then, the woman turned to her. When I found you there, just now, panicked on the stairs, I must admit I knew what you saw even before you said a word. You see, I knew because I had been dreading this moment since the day you joined us here. Rhoda sat, bewildered. What was Abby talking about, she thought, but she didn't say a word. Instead, she watched as the old woman took a deep breath. Her eyes met Rhoda's. It's time I tell you the story of the house and its little girl. In the weeks after her husband's death, Abby realized that she couldn't bear living in their house. Loneliness didn't suit her. Her sister Amelia urged her to look for a new place where they could live together. Abby didn't think she'd be able to afford much. Her husband was a modest man who'd only left her a bit of savings after his death. So Abby had been shocked when she found the old colonial home on Wilcox Avenue. It needed some fixing up, but it was large enough for her and her sister and well within her budget. When they first moved in, Abby had been happy with her new home, but soon she started to feel uneasy. She'd see a shadow flit across the wall and get the feeling that someone was standing beside her, but there was never anything there. She told herself that it was all in her imagination, and for a while she was able to brush off her feelings of disquiet. Until a warm evening in June when she saw something that made her instincts impossible to ignore. Abby was watching her sister hang portraits in the sitting room when she heard a terrible wail. What on earth was that? She exclaimed. Amelia frowned. It was probably just the cat yowling, she assured her. But then the sound came again, louder, as if through an open window. This time, Abby was sure it was the cry of a child. But her sister laughed and told her she was being silly. She insisted again that it was just their old cat. So Abby went to the door and called for the feline. For a moment, nothing happened. Then a familiar orange tabby appeared. 
Abby smiled with relief. She started to tell the cat what a ninny she was when a little hand shot out of a bush and yanked on its tail. The cat yowled and she heard a child's laughter from the garden. Abby froze. She told herself it was one of the neighbor's children, but she couldn't help feeling that the laugh was inhuman. You let go this instant. You're going to hurt our poor kitty. To her surprise, the hand did exactly that. The cat scampered away and a moment after, a little girl emerged from the shrubs. But something wasn't right about her. In fact, there was something profoundly wrong. She was barefoot and despite the warm night, she looked frozen solid. When Abby asked about her name or where she was from, the child only said one thing, that she couldn't find her mother. Abby held out a hand to the little girl. She had always wanted children of her own. Here, I'll help you find her, she said. But the girl simply vanished into thin air. In the following months, the little girl began appearing more often, but Abby was never able to touch her. It made her deeply sad to have a child so nearby clearly hurt and lonely, and yet she wasn't able to comfort her. It was too much for her to bear. So Amelia began asking around town about the people who'd owned the house before them. That was how they learned the story of the little girl. The house's previous owners were a family of three, Mr. Whitlock, his wife Penny, and their little daughter, Nell. Mr. Whitlock adored his daughter, but he worked for the railroad company and was often away. Penny, on the other hand, didn't care for the child. She would leave her alone, sometimes for days at a time. When Nell was six, her mother began an affair with a married man from the city. It didn't last longer than a year, and nobody really knew what happened with their entanglement. All they knew was that the man disappeared and Penny went to Boston soon after. That winter, neighbors heard the cries of a child coming from the house. And when Penny didn't return, folks started to put two and two together and broke into the house. Yet even knowing Mrs. Whitlock's history of neglect, they never could have imagined what they would find inside. Nell was locked in a bedroom on the second floor. She was thin as a rail, her skin as cold as ice, and her lips a livid blue. They never did learn if she had starved or frozen to death. She'd been alone for two weeks. When Abby finished her story, Rhoda sat still, astonished. Now she understood why Amelia hadn't wanted to tell her about the history of the house. But Abby wasn't finished. The old woman looked into the fire and continued. That's why we don't go in the locked room on the second floor. That was where she died. Rhoda nodded to herself. It all made sense now, but words had all but escaped her. When she looked up, Abby was staring at her 
concerned. I'm so sorry we didn't tell you the truth when you arrived. You see, it's just that we didn't want to scare you away. And you've been such a lovely tenant. I do hope you're not upset, but I could hardly blame you if you were. Abby took Rhoda's hand and held it gently. That was when Rhoda realized, all this time that she'd been waiting for the other shoe to drop and for Amelia and Abby to reject her, they were waiting for the same thing. But in the end, they wanted her there, and she wanted to stay. Rhoda looked Abby in the eyes. You love the little girl, don't you? Abby collapsed into sobs. After that day, the ghost appeared on an almost regular basis. She would occasionally show herself to Rhoda or Amelia, but she most often appeared to Abby. The little girl made Rhoda's blood run cold with fear, but Abby had a completely different reaction. When the girl appeared, Abby would try to hug her, but she would only run away. Then, Abby would become terribly sad and retreat to her room, often weeping for hours. When she emerged, she'd look frail and thin. Over time, she appeared at breakfast less and less, leaving her room only occasionally to sit by the fire. Rhoda asked Amelia if her sister was okay, but Amelia only sighed and said she was getting old. One bitterly cold morning, Rhoda was sitting at the kitchen table when Amelia spotted her sister in the garden. What on earth is she doing? Rhoda looked up. Abby was standing outside in the cold. She was wearing a nightgown and her slippers were soaked from the snow. Abby stared off into the distance, a peaceful expression on her face. Suddenly, the little girl ran up beside her and took her hand. Immediately, Abby's skin turned purple and pale, just like the child's. Then she knelt down and took the little girl in her arms. They held each other as the wind whipped around them. Then they walked hand in hand into the swirling snow. Amelia broke down sobbing. My sister is dead. Rhoda didn't understand until shortly after when they found Abby laying lifeless in her bed. Her arm was outstretched and her fingers were cupped, as though she was holding a very small hand. After Abby's death, Rhoda helped Amelia through her grief. That whole winter, Rhoda stayed by her side, and by the following spring, Amelia began to feel better. She and Rhoda would spend their days cooking, playing with the old cat, and baking Abby's famous apple tart. And Rhoda decided she would stay a while. Like our first episode by Mary Eleanor Wilkins Freeman, The Wind in the Rosebush, the story of the lost ghost also involves the death of a neglected girl. However, it's the story's focus on the lives of two older women without children, Abby and Amelia, that takes the forefront. In Mary Eleanor Wilkins Freeman's day, 
women without children were often forgotten and ignored. They were seen as spinsters, pitiable figures who had lost their chance at family and would spend the rest of their days alone. And though she's young, this is exactly how Rhoda feels about herself when she arrives at the sister's home, without a family and utterly alone. For many writers of Mary Eleanor Wilkins Freeman's time, women who were unmarried and childless were used in stories strictly as caricatures or jokes. But Freeman saw them as whole human beings with meaningful lives and relationships. This is likely due to her own experience. Freeman herself lived out most of her adulthood unmarried. After the deaths of her parents and younger sister, she moved in with her childhood friend, Mary Wales, whom she lived with for 20 years before her own marriage later in life. By exploring the bonds between single women, Mary Eleanor Wilkins Freeman challenged the conception that the spinster must be alone. She created a poignant portrayal of how unmarried women form their own communities just as Rhoda does in The Lost Ghost. They find support systems and a family to take care of, and they surround themselves with people they love and who will love them. Even if sometimes that love comes from beyond the grave. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places Ghost Stories. We will be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast free exclusively on Spotify. See you on the other side. Haunted Places Ghost Stories is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Haunted Places Ghost Stories was written by Zoe Louisa Lewis, with writing assistance by Stacey Nemec and Alex Garland, fact-checking by Audriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Alastair Murden. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new Spotify original from ParCast, Disappearances. Every Thursday, join me for an exploration into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Following timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the truth. From prison breaks and child abductions to second chances, and even murder. We'll journey through the many reasons people disappear Follow my new podcast, Disappearances, free and only on Spotify.